Hi, my name is Erin Kinzel, and I think personal growth sucks, but I also can't stop pursuing it, and it's produced some amazing results in my relationships, my career, my emotional and physical health, and basically every other area of my life. So the truth is that I don't always think it sucks, I just don't like the uncomfortable, scary, and awkward parts. On this podcast, I invite you to join me and my friends as we talk about personal growth, the hard parts, how we're leaning in despite how awful it can be, what we're learning, and most importantly, how we're moving forward. We'll share the resources and tools that are helping us, and you'll get to listen in as we encourage each other and hopefully encourage you too along the way. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, friends. Welcome to season two, episode four. On this season, we are talking about curing procrastination. Not that I think it can be cured, but I think that's what a lot of us are looking for is if we struggle with procrastination or if we know people in our lives who struggle with procrastination, really wanting to find a cure for it. And what I found in my own life is that um, I don't think we can fully cure it the whole way. I I think because of the reasons why we struggle with procrastination, I just don't think it's realistic. Um, Oh, I said that kind of weird. It's realistic (laughs) to think that we can cure it and never have to deal with it, but we can certainly develop some new muscles around it and come to understand um, why we procrastinate. And um, for me, I have cured it in my own life in the sense that It's not something that I spend a lot of time worrying about anymore. It's very specific to situations where they come up. Um, And it's not a constant quicksand that I find myself drowning in most of the time, um, like I used to. So today on this episode, we are talking about can procrastination actually be good? And you know, the old adage of if you if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute to do. Is that really true? Or is that just a convenient excuse? So we'll dive into that. Um, before we get started, I wanted to say that I'm really excited. I have an online scheduler now. So you can go straight to my website and you can go to um, personalgrowthsucks.com slash schedule and you can see my calendar and you can click and schedule an appointment with me if you would like to. It's super easy now. So I'm very excited to have that to offer. I'm also really excited because I have a a team member that is helping me with social media now. So I'm really excited to have Jessica helping me out with managing Instagram and Facebook. Um, So you can find me both places. Um, On Instagram, you can find me at Personal Growth Sucks. On Facebook, that... um, Username was already taken on a Facebook page, um, which is kind of annoying, right? And I searched for the Facebook page and it's not even a a live one, which that's even more annoying, like to take the tag I want and you're not even doing anything with it. Oh, come on. Um, So I have repurposed my Kinzel Consulting Facebook page. And if you want to find me on Facebook, it is Kinzel Consulting slash Personal Growth Sucks. So if you search for personal growth sucks, you might still be able to, um, it might still pop up for you. It's just going to be along with Kinzel Consulting. 
And before we really get into the episode today, I want to say that recently I've had some pushback about the name of my podcast um, and people saying, oh, that's so negative. And, you know, to be honest, when I started the podcast, I was thinking of it just as a hobby and something that um, could just be a fun expression of who I am. And as I've gotten into it and decided to actually offer personal coaching and then also to offer team training and team coaching for um, professionals that, you know, it's kind of a whole different, um, a whole different thing to professionally represent myself and my brand as personal growth sucks. And so I've gotten some pushback on that, which is in some ways frustrating for me, Um Because as a nine, as an Enneagram nine, I just really want to blend with people. I want people to be um, like to approve of what I'm doing. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to rock the boat. And um, so it feels like it's doing all of those things. And also it feels like I'm showing up in a really defined way that not everybody is going to accept And I don't like that. I want everybody to accept me. And so in that, I've had to really lean into my own personal growth and my own own life team of people around me who I trust and who've been on this journey with me to ask them, like, what do you think about this feedback? And so I just want to say that I think it's evident that that's a really tongue-in-cheek kind of of a title. And part of it is... Um, Like I've really had to define what is it about that name that I liked and, and why did I choose to call the podcast this? Why am I choosing to stick with it? And realizing it's a huge part of my, like my own founder's story. You know, when you talk about why someone starts a company um, and the passion behind and the reasons behind why they decided to do what they're doing. And for me, so much of it is that I spent a lot of my life denying um, negative reality and denying hard emotions, Um, which we talked about last week, right? Some of those difficult emotions and especially anger and sadness. Um, Just really thinking that if those popped up in my life, it was because I did something wrong and those were um, problems to be fixed. And since making friends with them, Um, that's really, that was a turning point for me on my personal growth journey was when I finally was able to access negative reality in my life. When I was able to make friends with anger and sadness and understand the role that those played. And when I was able to see that personal growth is not sunshine and roses, (laughs) Well, roses, maybe. I mean, they have thorns on them, so maybe. Um, But just realizing, for me, my growth started when I was able to just take a deep breath and say, man, this really sucks. I actually don't like this. And also, it's really important. And also, this is the way forward. So that's just something that's on my heart today that I've been thinking about um, and thinking about how do I... Maybe I don't need to do this, but how do I how do I showcase that more um, on my podcast? Like, yeah, personal growth sucks, but also, but I don't know. I have it right there in the intro. So anyway, you know, this is one of those times where it's um, 
I think this is one of those messy moments that I anticipated when I started the podcast of being able to receive negative feedback or critical feedback. And it's not people who, you know, it's people who are well-meaning, like they're, they're meaning to give me good advice. Um, and it doesn't feel very good. I don't like this. I, I don't want to have to stand up and be like, actually, this is how I'm going to define myself. There's something about that that feels scary. And yet leaning into it, it feels powerful also. And it has given me opportunities to really define who I am, what my point of view is, what my voice is, and what my passion is in putting um, this content out there. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for, um, if you've been a listener for a while, if you've been along for the journey with season one and now season two, I appreciate um, you being along for the journey. And I just have to trust that, um, that there's a segment of people out there that this resonates with. And I, I think, you know, probably not all of you will identify with this, but for those of us who like to put a silver lining on all the things There is something that is really necessary and powerful about pausing to say, this sucks. I don't like it. Also, I'm going to choose to keep leaning into it. So I appreciate you choosing to spend time with me today and to to listen into this episode. So let's dive into today's topic about procrastination. One thing that I want to mention is that a definition of procrastination is Um, That it is the act of unnecessarily postponing decisions or actions. And I've alluded to this in other episodes, and I'll probably mention it again on future episodes. But I realized uh, there came a point in my uh, procrastination journey, if you will, um, where I realized that I often harshly label my postponing as unnecessary. So the the definition of procrastination is the act of unnecessarily postponing decisions or actions. And so I would look at the things that I was postponing and I would be like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Um, When really sometimes postponing things is helpful or even necessary. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Is all postponement of decisions or actions Is it all actually procrastination? Um, If it serves a purpose, if it's actually helpful to us, then maybe it still is procrastination for some people, or you could say that you're putting it off. I think if you're doing it with purpose, um, you can, uh, you know, we talked about coming out of the courtroom and into the laboratory in episode one. And I think that's the case with this. There's a whole category of tasks that I used to think of as procrastination. Like I used to label my label it as evidence of my procrastination and evidence that I'm not actually doing the things I should be doing. And uh, with this new lens of being able to say, oh, wait a minute, actually, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'm not doing anything unnecessarily. Um, maybe this isn't a downfall for me. Maybe this isn't a sign that I am a loser. <laughs> um, so that's that's really what we're going to be digging in today. I want to say too that in the research for this episode, I came across um, Parkinson's Law, which I know I've heard before, but um, I don't know that I really 
thought of it um, in line, like thought of it as something to relate to procrastination. But Parkinson's law is the adage that work expands so as to fill the time which is available for its completion. Um, And so really that means the more time that you dedicate to a certain task, the more time that task will take. I also think of it like my kitchen counter. (laughs) I have a pretty big kitchen. Um, It's not really an island. It's more of a peninsula, but it's sort of that, you know, kitchen island space. And it just gets filled up with all the crap, right? All the after school stuff, all the notes, all the things that we don't know what to, to, how to put them away right now. Random art projects, random um, clothing items, like the stuff that ends up there. Oh my goodness. And there's times where it's like the whole counter is filled with stuff. Um, And if we had a bigger counter, it would get filled with more stuff. And if we had a smaller counter, then we would put stuff away more often, right? So it's sort of that same kind of a law that um, the, you know, the work expands or the stuff is going to expand to fill the space that we have given to it. There's a blogger that I follow. Her blog is called A Slob Comes Clean. And I really um, like her because she focuses on reality-based um, cleaning, or- cleaning and organizing solutions. And one of her blog posts talks about the container theory and how, or maybe it's not theory, but like the container principle, that's what it is. And she, you know, she kind of talks about this too, of like you you designate a space for certain items and when the items reach their maximum, that's how you know when it's time to declutter that specific item. And so you use the container as the boundary to decide how much of that type of item you're going to keep. So when you think about this in terms of completing a task, um, it it's sort of like if you give... If you give a teenager all day to clean their room, they're going to take all day to clean their room, right? (laughs) Or maybe you feel this with some employees. Like if you have employees or coworkers and you give them a week to do the project, they're going to take the whole week to do the project. And so with this, it it does go to that idea of if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute to do. Um, and, And I've really been pondering that and thinking, you know what? Sometimes that is actually true. And one of the ways that that can be helpful or um, that we see that in play is if you are an overthinker or if you are a maximizer. Um, So if you have an hour to write the email, then do you spend the first 20 minutes writing the email and the last 40 minutes editing it? And overthinking and thinking, oh, I maybe I should reword this, or maybe I should add this, or maybe they're going to wonder this. Um, if you're a maximizer, it's the same kind of thing of like, well, if I also did this, then it would improve it and we'd get so much more out of it. And, um, you know, uh, my friend Emily, who was on uh, the podcast on uh, season one, episode eight, um, she's a maximizer and she does events for um, Bethel University where she works. And so she's, we actually had lunch a couple of weeks ago and it was right after, um, uh, right after the big homecoming event and celebrating the 75th anniversary of the school. 
And she said, I know about myself that I'm a maximizer. And so when I start to get momentum, that's when my juices really get flowing and I really have all the ideas and I think, oh, we should do this and this and this and this and this. And so, you know, if you're a maximizer, if you're an overthinker, the more time you have for the task, the more space you take up with ideas and questions and refining and editing and all the things. And the reason why waiting until the last minute is helpful is because it helps um, to streamline my thinking and it helps to add this really sharp focus to the task. And for me, it helps me to get rid of the um, kind of the observing ego part of it, the, the judge and the jury who are there who want to say, oh, did you really want to say it that way? And it's like, we just got to get it done. We just have to finish the task. We just have to write the email and get it out the door. And so waiting until the last minute, and maybe not literally the last minute, but waiting until you're kind of down to the wire, um, for me, it is really helpful at times because it allows me to let go of all of that unnecessary um, pondering and questioning and editing and, you know, all the, all the 50 ideas, it helps me to just really focus in and, um, and get it done efficiently. One example of this for me, um, in the past few months is that in August I hosted a birthday party at my house. So my husband and both of my daughters, their birthdays are within three weeks of each other. And we typically, host a party for my extended family um, to celebrate all the birthdays. And so I knew the birthday was coming, the the party was coming up on the weekend, and I knew that I needed to run errands and go pick up cupcakes and ice cream and some um, other food supplies and things like, you know, paper plates and napkins, all that stuff. And that week I just decided, okay, Friday is going to be my day to run those errands and to do that stuff. And so earlier in that week, when I was tempted to want to think about it or make plans or say, oh, maybe I should go to the store now, I just kept saying to myself, no, Friday is my day to do it. And I know that by putting it on Friday, it's going to help me just be efficient. It's like the container principle for time. I've, I've given the, uh, all the decisions for this party this space on Friday, and that's the space that they get to take up. And they don't get to take up space before that. And by putting it on Friday and the party's on Saturday, then there's not a lot of overtime, a lot of time to second guess myself or think, like if I went shopping on, on Monday, I probably throughout the week would think, oh, did I get enough dip? Did I get enough drinks? Maybe I should go back and get another gallon of, you know, lemonade. Maybe I should oh, maybe I need to get more decorations. Like it just would have given all this space to second guess and to um, to maximize. And so all week long, I just kept thinking, okay, Friday's my day. And when it would crop up in my head and my brain would want to start thinking about it, I would say, hey brain, we're not thinking about this until Friday. So Friday I got up, I made my list, I went to the store and I think I went to Walmart to get the cupcakes and the um, paper plates and that kind of thing. I didn't love their selection of some things, but I was like, well, this is the store that I decided to go to. I am not going to run all over town 
and go to the party store or check out Target or, you know, do all the things. Um, this is where I have the time to come. And this is, this is the container I've put these decisions in. So for better or for worse, I'm at Walmart and this is where we're going to get the cupcakes and these are the paper plates and these are the napkins and, and this is it. And then I decided that I was going to splurge on ice cream and I went to this, a a local um, shop where they make homemade ice cream or handmade ice cream. And when I got there, it took me a long time to choose what I wanted. And then I started overthinking how much I should get. And then I looked at the price and was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is kind of crazy expensive. This is a lot of money to spend on ice cream. Um, and started to overthink that, but I was like, you know what? I'm here. This is where I decided to buy the ice cream. I don't have time to go run all over town. And so I really just need to focus my decisions here and um, decide that it's okay to spend this much on ice cream. We're celebrating three birthdays, so let's splurge on a few things. And, uh, you know, just deciding I'm going to err on the side of getting too much and um, picked out some flavors and, and that was that. And as I walked out of the store, I thought, oh, this is what it feels like to not overthink things. <laughs> and I still, you know, of course I did still overthink things a little bit or, you know, just kind of really spent some time considering what flavors to get and how much to get, all that kind of stuff. But it was a really intentional practice for me that day to just keep thinking, this is the container that I've put these decisions in. Like, this is the amount of time. These are the stores that I'm I'm going to, and I'm not going to second guess myself. And you know what? It was fine. Like the, the party was fine. Everybody loved the ice cream. Nobody had, of course, any opinions about the napkins or the plates or whatever it was that I was thinking, oh, I kind of wish that I had some different options. It just, at the end of the day, it didn't matter that much. And so that was a case where, you know, the judge in my head could have said, all week long that I was procrastinating on running those errands and making those decisions. But that wasn't really the right label to put on it. I was very much purposefully postponing those activities in order to keep them in a specific time container so that they didn't take over my week. I saw on Instagram this um, this week from the nine coach Um, So this is someone who is um, uh, specifically speaks to people who are Enneagram nines, um, which I am. So I, I really love her stuff. One of the things that she said was fall in love with constraint. Realize that keeping our options open can create more stress. Grieve the loss of the ideal and embrace the reality of your limitations. You can't do all of the ideas, but you can choose a few to finish. And I think this goes along with this idea of constraining my time on purpose and saying, I am going to put all of these decisions into this specific day, like for the birthday party. And a lot of times why I, the, the reasons why I wouldn't do that is exactly what she says. I want to keep my options open. And I think this is a... A consequence of also being a um, a P on the Myers Briggs assessment. So I'm an INFP, and that last letter you can either be a P or a J. And I forget exactly. I think it's judging or perceiving. Maybe are the two um, 
what those stand for. Um, but basically, a, like a really simplified version or a simplified explanation of, of a trait of those two letters is that J's like to make decisions. Let's make the decision and move on. And P's, we like to leave our options open. <laughs> We're always looking for all the options. And so I resonate with that so, so much of realizing that keeping our options open open can create more stress. And it's sort of like trying to pick out that ice cream. There were probably, you know, 20 or 30 different flavors of ice cream that I could have chosen that day. And it was overwhelming. And then suddenly, you know, I'm trying to match this with like the 10 or 12 people that are coming to my house and thinking about everyone's preferences. And then the people pleasing comes into play where I want to get the flavors that people are going to like. And I want them to be like, oh, this is so interesting. You know, like I want it to say something about me or to mean something about me or um, that I took time to pick flavors that people would like. Um, When if I just had to pick between chocolate and vanilla and strawberry, like those would be fine flavors too. (laughs) So having more options, um, and I know there are studies about this. I think there's a TED talk about it. Um, that having more options, there, there comes a point where it does create more stress rather than feeling like it adds value to our life. It starts to detract value from our life. Another way that waiting until the last minute to get things done can feel helpful is that it, it creates this urgency, especially for people who are ADHD or have those kind of tendencies. It it switches them from not now to now. And sometimes there's a very short um, uh, line between those two things. And so it can be easy to just be like, ah, not now, I'll do it later. Um, And then suddenly there's a sense of urgency that, that switches it on to say, oh, now, now I need to get this done. And it can move us into motivation, feeling alive with it, into um, hyper-focus, really being able to get stuff done. And the key with this, and I found this to be true for myself, is that there is a sense of hyper-focus when a deadline gets nearer or when um, it's sort of like I'm not feeling the urgency to do something and then suddenly I connect to that urgency. There's some kind of a catalyst that says, oh, yeah, I actually do need to do this thing. I think for me, it's partially, there's something internally where I like connect to the need for this to get done. Um, Whereas leading up to that point, it just doesn't feel like, um, like, yeah, it's hanging out there, but I'll be able to do it or it doesn't seem that important or whatever. And then it like switches over. There's something inside of me that says, oh yes, I need to do this thing. And it can be, helpful um, to push into that and to suddenly, um, you know, it's like going into warp speed or something. And it can be helpful, but the key is that we have to be real about when this causes problems and being real about times where we actually do run out of time to get it done and to say, I really actually should have started earlier or to be real about when this impacts people around us. So it's fine if I want to wait till the last minute to do the thing, but if that is going to have a negative impact on someone else, 
being able to do their part, or now I'm causing an emergency for them, then that's where we have to be real about that and and look for other strategies. And, you know, we also need to have self-compassion in those moments where um, it causes problems and get relational nutrients for those moments where um, where we realize, oh, this was a failure or where we realize that it has impacted someone else. We have to really tend to that relationship and, and apologize. I'm sorry, like my waiting until the last minute had an impact on you and it puts you in a bad situation. I've realized that this urgency, like this switch from being non-urgent to urgent, for me, a lot of times is, uh, it goes back to this coping mechanism of wanting to conserve energy and um, sort of being afraid that if I start the task too early, that the work will expand. So it's uh, it's sort of related to the, the first, you know, uh, work expands to fill the time allotted for it. Um, so as an example, growing up on Saturdays, that was housework day. And typically my mom would have a list of chores that I needed to do on Saturday. And typically she'd have a deadline for me to say, you know, all of these need to be done by two o'clock, for example. And I think there was a tendency to wait until the last minute to do them, partially as a way of having control over it. So, you know, I don't have control over, well, I did have control over whether or not to do the tasks, but I didn't want to disappoint my mom. Um, feeling like I, I, I don't have a say in whether I do these or not, but I do have a say in waiting till the last minute. And so taking up that time was a way of um, exerting my own autonomy and my own power in the situation. And then it also, I, I think there was a fear that if I started and did everything by 11 o'clock, say, that mom would find something else for me to do between 11 and 2. And that I would get work added. And so it sort of felt like, well, if she's going to give me until 2 to do this stuff, then I get to use all the time leading up until 2 just to decide what I, whatever I want to do, however I want to fill that time. Um, if I complete it early, it felt like, and, and I don't know what led to this. Like, why did I think this? Were there other experiences that would have told me that this is the way it would go? I don't really know that, but it feels like if I would do it early, then there would be other things to fill that time. Whereas if I waited until the last minute, then I could kind of conserve my energy and I could, um, you know, make decisions about my time up until that point and then switch it into high gear and be super efficient and get it all done quickly, uh, be hyper-focused on it. And sort of this thrill of a race to the deadline, can I get it done by the deadline? And so I think there's something to that too. There's sort of this internal, um, I don't I don't know if I would call it a coping mechanism or an internal habits that w- when I when I look at that and I really uh, examine the data that's there, it's like, oh, is that actually what needs to happen? And in the past few months, I've observed that when I do things like cleaning the kitchen, for example, there is this urgency that I it's like I need to rush around and do it as efficiently as possible. And sometimes that feels really exhausting. And so I have allowed myself to 
to kind of sit back and observe myself in those situations and to say, oh, what would happen? Like, it's almost like there's a rule that I'm following inside my my brain that says you can't take your time with this stuff. You have to do it as quickly and efficiently as possible. Uh, And I've just been um, pushing against that in the past few months to say, actually, I can take my time. I can take as much time as I want to. I can slow down. Um, I've started doing more listening to podcasts or listening to audiobooks while I'm doing some of those things and really making it a practice to slow down. And I think that I've seen an effect then in my work and in my ability to focus in other areas where I'm, it's like my brain doesn't associate getting tasks done with being urgent. I feel like there has been an association for that um, internally for me for a long time. Once I turn towards a task, it has to be done urgently. And I have to feel an urgency in order to be motivated to do it. And so trying to detach those two things has been interesting And I do think it's had an impact on my work of being able to slow down and focus and trust that if I am deliberate about it, it's not necessarily going to take up, it might take up more time to do. I think in the end, it serves me better with um, having more consistency in my, the energy that I'm spending And I don't get to the end of a task and just feel like, oh gosh, now I need a nap. So there's kind of this benefit of waiting till the last minute in that it does create that hyper-focus and the, the, you know, an urgency and energy um, to, to push through and get a task done. At the same time, I do think there's a downside to that of, um, I, I think you pay a price in the long term, and I've been trying to really, um, to kind of untangle that in my own brain. Um, so I, it is interesting. I feel like I'm in the middle of an experiment with that. And I'm curious a year from now, like what um, what my natural tendencies will be. Right now, it's very much a practice and it's very intentional. I'm curious if a year from now, I will, you know, maybe I'll be listening to this podcast or something and be reminded, oh yeah, I used to do that. Do I still do that? Oh, actually I don't. And I don't have to think about it anymore. And along with that, there are times, you know, that I have to trust that I'm just not ready to do the thing yet. And I don't have to label something as procrastination um, if I'm just not ready. So there are different, um, well, take this podcast, for example, this episode. There are times in the past two weeks that I thought, oh, I need to record the episode. I need to record the episode sort of this nagging voice in my head of, of like, don't forget, you got to do the thing. Um, and I would have labeled that as procrastination. Oh, I, sh- I should have done it by now. Why am I procrastinating on this? And in the past two weeks, I've, I've been able to say, oh, I'm going to record that episode on this day. Like I have time set aside when I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this. And in that, there it has to be a trust that when it comes time to sit down and to do the thing, that I will be able to get into it and to do it. And buried deep in there somewhere, I think is this lie that says that the motivation 
the feeling has to come before the action. And really, um, as I am practicing this, I realize that the action often creates the feeling. And this is something that I know, you know, people have talked about in books that I've read or podcasts that I've listened to, uh, is this lie that we have to be motivated in order to be able to do something uh, or to do it well, when really just showing up and getting into it oftentimes will bring the motivation with it. So there's a lot of trust that I'm having to build in myself and being able to say, hey, urgent brain, (laughs) Uh, you can calm down a little bit. Just because you're motivated in this moment to be thinking about the podcast episode and what all you want to say, now is not the time that we've decided that we're going to sit down and and record the podcast. And so I might take time to write down the notes, like record the notes that I'm thinking or record the thoughts so that I don't lose it and I can come back around to it when it's time to record. But it Again, it goes back to this practice of saying, I've created a space for this and it's okay. It's not procrastination to put this off because I've decided on purpose to put it off and I've decided to put it into this container over here of time, this block of time um, as a way of controlling how I'm spending my time and being able to focus on all the other things that I need to be doing to build my business. And along those lines, there are things um, like health goals for me that I feel an urgency about, and yet there are some ways that I'm not ready to make changes and I'm not ready to move forward with those. And so it's not productive to keep nagging myself about what I ought to be doing. And instead, what is helpful is to say, Again, hey brain, this is a lot of self-talk here that I have to do sometimes with my brain. Um, hey brain, yeah, health is really important. And right now, here are the, the goals that I'm focusing on for this 90 days, for this quarter that we're in. And I've recorded some different options for health goals for the next quarter. And when it comes time to plan for that, I will sit down and I will make a decision And at that point, I can create some goals around health or a different goal around health. Um, And so that's the place where we're going to think about it and and to have the trust that when it comes around to that time that I actually am going to follow through and think about it. Or if I don't, then, you know, that's something that's data also. Um, If I keep putting it off, then that does say something. Maybe it's time to take that to a relationship and to talk to somebody else about that, maybe talk to my life coach about that. Why is it that I keep um, wanting to have these goals, but I don't follow through on them? Um, Or maybe I get to the point of setting goals and I have to be really realistic about what I can accomplish. Um, A lot of times my vision and my ideal self really want to run away with the agenda. (laughs) here's the 15 things that you need to be doing in order to be your ideal self. And it's like, ah, actually that is not realistic. And in an upcoming episode, I'm going to have a whole episode about your ideal self and how to manage um, all the things that your brain wants to assign to you and tell you that you ought to be doing. So anyway, the point of that is that sometimes there are 
tasks that keep trying to push in on us and and create an urgency, like our brain wants to create an urgency around them, or maybe we feel um, because of what other people are doing or what someone else, you know, thinks that we ought to be doing, um, it creates this sense of like, why can't I just get my life together in this area? I should be running a marathon. I should be up every morning at 5 a.m. to exercise. Um, and that can create a a false, um, uh, sort of like a false judgment of procrastination. Uh, I'm such a loser because I'm procrastinating on, you know, these things that I ought to be doing when really, when I take a step back and I examine those thoughts and where they came from, they're not the goals that I've chosen for right now. And it's not realistic and it's not productive for me to keep feeling um, nagged to do those things. And what is more productive is to take a step back and put those things on hold until I can better connect them to my values and and really sit down and think about what are realistic goals that I can set around this uh, around this issue. And along with that, there's a lot of times where labeling something as procrastination can push it into avoidance and then into waiting until the last minute. And so, um, you know, where I have judgment, I allow myself to be in the courtroom and I say, oh my gosh, I'm procrastinating on this thing. Then it does push it into avoidance and then it does push it into uh, unnecessarily waiting until the last minute. Whereas if I just could give myself grace and say, oh, it's not time yet to start this task and then schedule a time to start, then it, it wouldn't get to the point where I have all these negative feelings and judgments um, for f- feeling like I'm a bad person for waiting. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not. So to just say, oh, I'm not bad for waiting. This is on purpose. And so I'm not going to judge myself and I'm just going to set it aside. And then there's not all this like mental sludge (laughs) to wade through on my way getting back to the task. Um, And instead, I can more easily turn toward the task and get it done at a, a time that's appropriate. So some of this process for me has been creating language and space for purposeful delays and to really label it as that. Knowing, oh, this is on purpose. I'm delaying this task on purpose. This is not procrastination. I am doing this in order to increase my focus. I'm doing it in order to not get stuck in maximizing or overthinking. I'm doing this because I need to put a time container on it. and, um, And this is the way that's going to help me get this thing done without taking up too much space in the rest of my life. And I would challenge you, um, if you have people in your life who wait to the last minute and it drives you crazy, um, first of all, to practice some of this new language with them too. And just, you know, maybe not with them, but even in your own mind to take a deep breath and to say, okay, sometimes it is okay to wait until the last minute. Sometimes it is okay, like maybe they're overthinking it, maybe they are a maximizer, 
Um, you know, maybe there are other reasons why for them it it is actually helpful to wait until the last minute. And so if you can start to, in a non-judgmental way, look at what they're doing and to see it as, you know, a time container, to see it as um, a purposeful delay, then it's going to help you um, be able to live in peace with them a little bit more. I also would challenge you to consider if you are trying to um, place a value on what they're doing or trying to, mm, what am I trying to say here? If it's that they're valuing things differently than what you are. And so for some people, some people place a very high value on getting things done ahead of time. And that's just the way that they like to do things and it makes total sense for them. And that is the way they live their life. That's not the way all of us do it for a variety of reasons. And it's not wrong either way. And a lot of times uh, we want to judge other people's behavior as being wrong when really we just have a difference in values and, and how we approach things. So especially if you have a child that does this or you know someone, uh, a spouse maybe, um, be careful about nagging them or placing judgment on them about how they're doing the task because they might just have a different way of doing it. They have different values around getting stuff done. And the more that you criticize or nag, the more opposition they're going to feel. And it's either going to be externalized towards you and being angry and frustrated, or it's going to be internalized towards themselves. And the, the nagging is going to become their self-talk. And so um, something that is more helpful is to realize like what are your actual boundaries? And we're going to address this in a future episode about boundaries, about dealing with the procrastinators in your life. There is a difference here when it actually has an impact on you and your life. So if you have a child who is constantly waiting till the last minute to get ready and it makes you late to places, then that's not okay. And the way that you can address that is to make it about you. I value not being late. Therefore, I am not going to leave the house late. Therefore, if you're not in the car by X time, then here's the consequence for it. Um, And then really leave it up to them to manage the task and manage how they're going to approach that. And your only job is your job is not to nag them or not to um, provide running commentary on whether or not they're going to make the deadline. Um, Your job is just to recognize whether or not they get in the car at the time that you said. And if they don't, then again, not to necessarily judge what they've done or not done or how they've approached it, but to say, okay, like this is not okay with me to be late. And so we talked about this. Here's the consequence. And then your job is to actually follow through on the consequence. Sometimes it feels easier to nag people than it does to have the internal fortitude to follow through on a consequence. But I promise you, it is more loving and more kind to give the consequence without the judging commentary 
than it is to not enforce the consequence and nag them. We're going to get into that more in another episode. All right, so we have covered a lot of ground on this episode. I actually have more notes here than what I was able to get to. I'm kind of surprised by how much time I've spent, like like how long this is without getting through all of these notes. Um, so I just want to come back and um, and just kind of summarize a few things. One of them is that sometimes we label things as procrastination and they don't need to be labeled as procrastination. Sometimes it is actually purposeful delay or a necessary delay. And one of the reasons why a delay is helpful is because it helps us put a container on the task, which can help us to focus and it can help us to, to overcome um, maximizing and tendencies to overthink where then the work just expands and we just keep editing and editing and editing or adding to the thing um, unnecessarily. And we spend extra energy then on the task when if we just could keep it inside of a container of a certain amount of time. So there are times when procrastination serves us, but I think it doesn't serve us to label it that way. I think instead, if we could just say, we can just say, this is a purposeful delay. Hey brain, you don't need to worry about this task because I'm going to do it on Friday or I'm going to do it on Monday at 10 a.m. is the time that I've set aside for this and creating some intention and um, some practice around doing it that way. Well, friends, that's all for today's episode. I hope it's been helpful and given you some new ways of thinking about your personal growth journey. In two weeks, I'll be back talking about decision-making and procrastination. As a reminder, if you need a guide for your own personal growth journey, I'd love to work with you one-on-one. Like I mentioned at the top of the episode, I now have a convenient scheduling tool on my website, which I'm really excited about. Go to personalgrowthsucks.com slash schedule to see my calendar and choose an appointment time. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at personalgrowthsucks and on Facebook at Kinzel Consulting slash Personal Growth Sucks. Until next time, remember that personal growth sucks when you try to do it alone, but together we can cultivate the courage to grow. Let's keep leaning in.